Welcome to the sermon cast from King Road Church. It's our desire that God uses this message to bring you closer to Him. If you'd like to pray with someone, speak with one of our pastors, or if you're looking for more resources, please go to kingroad.ca, scroll down on the homepage, and fill out the Reach Out fillable. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Good morning, church. It's good to see you all. Before I begin my sermon, I want to, uh, I'm, I'm planning to share something personal. Last spring, this isn't going to stay, well, I think it's good. Last spring, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Some of you know about that. So when Cheryl and I met with the oncologist, Dr. Kalen, she said, Ike, this is what the situation is. The biopsy has shown you have non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. This is curable. Oh. And I said, Dr. Kalen, if I don't go for the cure, which was chemotherapy, what are the options? And she said, I'll give you eight months to live. So right there, Cheryl and I just sensed God zapping us as we looked at each other and we said, we'll go for therapy. So I believe, and Cheryl and I believe, that through therapy, but through the prayers of God's people and God's hand, uh, he's healed me. And every three months when Dr. Kalen meets with me, sometimes on phone, sometimes personally, she says, there's no more malignant tissue. You are healed. So praise God. <clears throat> and thank you for your prayers. I know many of you prayed for me during that time. So, uh, the sermon today continues in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, and I'll refer to the verses I'm reading in, in just a moment. But it has to do with honesty and integrity and selfless living. Have you ever said yes when you meant no? <laughs> did you ever say no when you really should have said yes? I'm not sure who did this survey. I couldn't find out, but it said someone suggested the top ten lies in America, so we can point south, are these. Your table will be ready in one minute. One size fits all. This will hurt me more than it hurts you. Did you ever say that to your kids? I'm sorry I'm late, I got stuck in traffic. The check is in the mail. Number five, this offer is limited to the first 50 callers. It's not the money, it's the principle of the thing. I need just five minutes of your time. I'll start my diet tomorrow. I'm from the IRS and I'm here to help you. <coughs> so now I have a question to you. I'll be asking several questions during this sermon. This first one is just to you, because I know the answer. But the others I ask during the sermon are, are not just to you, they're also to me. Questions we need to grapple with, consider, think about, and have some answers based upon biblical kingdom citizen lifestyle. So who do you think tells more lies in their lifetime, men or women? How many say men? All the women raise their hand? No, no, I'm just kidding. How many say women? How many say, uh, I don't care? <laughs> yeah. Well, according to the study in the UK, men tell 109,000 lies in their life. I don't know how they keep count, but this is what the survey said. And women only 56. 
So uh, you're off the hook. <laughs> Here's the first part of my text, Matthew 5, 33 to 37. Jesus is speaking, and the records give his words. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you can't make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more that this, than this comes from evil. Clear words, aren't they? Strong words. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and we're in that series, is describing the lifestyle of kingdom citizens. And he's saying to us, when you say yes, mean yes. If you say no, then mean no. An honest and trustworthy person will never need to declare an oath because people know you meant what you said. Have you ever heard people say in a, in a discussion or in a presentation, or maybe you said it, well, to be totally honest, like what were you till that point? The Believer Study Bible gives the background, as many other sources will, to what Jesus is saying. Making oaths has Old Testament background and roots. But Jesus is saying, it is serious to take the name of God in vain. And the Ten Commandments refer to the seriousness of that and the consequence. But the Jews had this interesting style. They said that you can swear by anything, by the trees, by the mountains. You heard what I read about Jesus' statement. By your head, by Jerusalem. And as long as you didn't use the name of God, the Jews said, the oath is not binding. They always allowed some wiggle room. And Jesus is saying, I expect honesty from my citizens. So what's an oath? Well, an oath, basically, you could def define it many ways. Uh, it's like saying, I swear to tell the truth, my word is not sufficient. I claim someone or something else for support of my truth-telling. I fudge on the truth to impress others. When I give compliments, I don't really express honesty. Does this dress make me look? Oh, no, not at all. So Jesus is saying, don't divide your life into compartments. And that's what the Jews were doing. By declaring oaths and swearing oaths, they divided into compartments. And Jesus is saying, don't do it. I'm not sure if you, uh, any of you remember um, rock candy. At Christmas time, um, my parents would buy all kinds of goodies and sweets, and one of the candies was, they, they were hard, and you could suck on them, and they had really, really nice flavors. Some were shaped like a ribbon, some were like a little tube, whatever, but the tubes all had an, an impression, flowers or whatever. Any of you remember candies like that? None of you, okay. Take, take my word. There, there, there was such. And when you sucked on this candy, the image of the flower, let's say there was a flower imprint, the flower image never disappeared. 
right till the end, it was one of the last things that would go. And Jesus is saying, that's how honesty should be. People just know you as a person of honesty. You will never fudge on the truth. So, my question, questions. What would others say about your word? Are you a person of your word? Do you keep your commitments? Do you mean what you say? If you say you will do something, do you follow through? Do you exaggerate or embellish or withhold some of the truth so that it sounds better for your advantage? Jesus is saying, my citizens, kingdom citizens, are known for honesty. Yes, the world has become more complex than when in Jesus' day. But the principles of the kingdom haven't changed. They apply to whenever you live and wherever you live. So my friend, be true to your word. It's a strong temptation to abandon our word in favor of looking good, or personal advantage, or financial gain. As believers in Christ, though, as kingdom citizens, Jesus is saying, I expect my citizens to be people of honesty. Several years ago, our son, we have two boys, our son Andrew and I were asked to be on an evaluation team of our ministry in Burkina Faso, a country in Africa. It was a great experience. We traveled together, he from Saskatoon and I from Vancouver. While we traveled together, we ended up in Paris and from there we flew together to Africa. So we had arranged that on the way back, we will be on the same kind of a pattern. We fly from Africa to Paris, Paris to Saskatoon or Vancouver. <clears throat> so we had agreed, why don't we do a father-son vacation for four days in Paris? Lots of good things to see, touristy things. So we did. We arranged for a hotel. We were close to the, um, to the tower. Did a lot of nice sightseeing and hiking and walking around and enjoying. We had flown pretty much through the night to get from Africa to Paris. And so we were tired. We got to our hotel slept for a couple of hours and then we s figured let's go out for a late lunch it was a beautiful summertime at that when we were there and there were all these nice sidewalk cafes so we chose one sat down ordered had a nice meal came time to pay <coughs> and i had lost my credit cards because my wallet was lifted in the uh, in the train station so my credit cards were gone i phoned shirley by the way and said uh, surely my wallet's been lifted, cancel my credit cards, and they had used the wrong one. They had, they had tried to buy, and they told Shirley this, several thousand dollars worth of video equipment, but they wouldn't take it because they didn't know in that time, in those years, the credit card company asked you to say if you're out of country. And I had told Visa that, but not MasterCard. They used the MasterCard. If they had used Visa, they would have got away with it. So my cards were gone. Andrew had two credit cards. So it came time to pay for lunch, he, he used the one, their machine wouldn't take it. Used the other one, their machine wouldn't take it. We had enough cash on hand to pay for about half the lunch. We felt like really crazy, like what are you gonna do? Well, the man who was serving us said, look, give me what you have and just forget it. Andrew said to him, sir, how long are you open tonight? I think he said seven o'clock, seven o'clock. Okay, he said, sir. We'll be back here before 7, and we'll pay for the rest of the lunch. He just said, yeah, yeah. 
so during the um, touristy things we did this afternoon and middle of the day and afternoon we we got to a bank that took our credit card and gave us some cash we made sure we were back at the cafe before they closed well that man just about fell on his back and we had told him right we're gonna be here before seven so when you're there before seven unless there's an emergency you show up before seven and pay your bill so it's just the importance of honesty. And you can think of illustrations in your life where you were challenged. We could have had lunch at half price. But maybe we would have had indigestion that evening. I don't know. <laughs> so, my friend, when you give your word, keep it. When you make a commitment, honor it. If you take on an obligation, fulfill it. For the glory of God, your honesty and reliability and mine should be so proof, so proofed that nothing can ever destroy that. So are you a person of honesty? Have you made promises you haven't kept? Do you need to go to someone, your spouse or your children or your parents or a co-worker or whoever and make things right? It gives such a thing as pathological liars. I'm not saying there are any here. I don't know. But if you're given to fudge the truth, to maybe be sort of on the side, on the road of being a pathological liar, you're not even aware of it. But if you think, and if you know, you're on that path of not being honest, there is a way back. And there is a way to deal with things. And I'm not the only person who can help you, but I would walk with you toward wholeness and truthfulness. If you're struggling with honesty, my friend, don't park there. Move to the center stage of honesty and integrity and live like kingdom citizens who glorify God. My second part of the, of the text is verses 38 to 42 from, from uh, Matthew 5. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, don't resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. When I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking maybe I could ask Pastor Paul to come up here and we will demonstrate this. <laughs> but I want to stay on your good side. <laughs> if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go two. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Well, this statement, you've heard that it was said, Jesus said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It, it occurs three times in the Old Testament. And some people see that as, well, I'm going to get even with you, and that's what it's all about. No. If you study the Old Testament, the rule was given, the law was given to, um, to put a damper on, on vengeance. And the restitution should equal the crime. Read the Old Testament. It's clear about that. Restitution equals the crime, but don't seek vengeance. And now Jesus says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek then turn to him and let him slap you on the other. The story is told, and from the resources I got, 
I think this happened. A certain um, prize fighter became a Christian, and he decided that now he would call people to faith in Jesus Christ, so he arranged to have evangelistic meetings. And he got to this one place where he was setting up the tent where people would meet, and he would preach, and he would invite people to commitment. And as he was setting up the tent, two thugs came by, and they wanted to know what he was doing, and he told them. So the one gave him the fist, and he just turned the other cheek, and the other guy gave him a fist on the other side. Remember, this was the prize fighter. And then he said to them, Jesus gave me no further instructions. Pow! <laughs> what does Jesus mean? Turn the other cheek. Well, he's talking about people who offend you, people who shame you, being struck on the right, on the right cheek. That person would... Well, you can imagine the physical posture. If I'm going to strike somebody on the right cheek. And he is, Jesus is saying, don't respond in kind. Look into the face of the evildoer. And with forgiveness in your heart, don't go the road of saying, I'll get even with you. Now, please be careful. Jesus is not justifying evil doing, and that'll become clear, I think, in my conclusion. So he says, if someone wants to uh, take your shirt, hand over your cloak as well. There was a custom in those days when you sued somebody, you could actually, you could sue, basically sue the, the shirt off of them. But he says, well, don't just stop there. Say to this person, here, take my cloak as well. The cloak was not just to wear if it was cool in the evening or whenever. It was also the blanket they had for night. So now this person is destitute, in need. But by doing what Jesus is saying, you bring shame to the evildoer. And you don't resist the evil one. That's Jesus' words. So he says, if you're forced to go one mile, go two. This is a Persian custom brought in to the Roman Empire, and uh, it's oppression language. Soldiers could force civilians to carry their gear and their backpack or whatever they had for one mile. That was the law, and you couldn't resist it. That was the law, and if you didn't do it, you could be punished. Jesus says, why don't you go beyond the minimum? Go t tell this soldier, I'll carry it for two miles. And then he says, Jesus says, give to the one who asks and do not turn from the one who wants to borrow. He's saying, come on, Ike. And you're looking at, at Jesus' words and thinking like, this isn't even fair. I'm supposed to put my money, my bank account, what I own, my house, my property in jeopardy for some beggars? Well, he's saying... Give to the one who asks and don't turn from the one who wants to borrow. This kind of help and generosity <laughs> is very risky. But remember, injustice is the primary base of this passage. Do you deal justly or unjustly? Is Jesus saying, well, just let people take advantage of you? I would shout, no! He isn't saying that. For example, 
if there is a spouse who is being abused in a marriage, just means, well, go ahead. No. Does this mean anyone who comes and begs for me, I just give indiscriminately? I would say, no, it's not what Jesus means. This is not encourage, encouraging indiscriminate giving. This is not encouraging laziness. This is not encouraging let people hit you and don't say anything or don't deal with the evil. This is not being totally unsensitive to injustice in our society or world or city. We speak about it. We do what we can. We intercept it. This is not indiscriminate giving, encouraging laziness, but responding in a Christ-like way and in a redemptive posture. Sometimes when I feel taken advantage of, God says to me, Ike, just read, read 1 Peter 2, and I say, I don't want to read 1 Peter 2. I know what it says. God says, I can read it. Here's my word to you and to me. It's talking about Jesus. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he addressed him, entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. And then he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. There's the pattern. Yeah, Jesus raised the bar high. But by his grace and by the infilling of the Holy Spirit, we can clear that bar. Not because we want people to say, oh, look at how nice a guy or gal they are. No, for the glory of God, because we're citizens of the kingdom and want to live for the glory of the king. Wouldn't you agree our goal is to be like Jesus? Is that your goal? To be like Jesus. And to be redemptive in the midst of conflict and false accusations. Notice, all the responses here in the text I read stand up for oneself. But they expose the wrongdoing of the other person. And they're incredibly sacrificial and generous. This is not easy street, my friend. And Carla Works said one time in a quotation that I have from her, clearly the, the kingdom of heaven does not operate like the kingdoms of this world. How will we know when we see God's kingdom? And she says here, when anger results in reconciliation rather than retaliation, God must be at work. When enemies are overcome by love rather than violence, God is present. Have you ever felt like he deserves this? I'm going to get even. Ever felt like that? Ever felt mistreated? Ever felt gossiped about? Ever felt slandered? Ever ta felt taken advantage of? Well, here's Jesus' call to justice and sacrificial living. Jesus wants his disciples to be people of integrity and honesty. 
You can always trust their word because you know their people, when they say something, they mean it. And that's it. You don't have to second guess. Jesus wants us, his disciples, to be people who are faithful to our promises. People who have no need to swear we're telling the truth. We're people who honor our commitments. And Jesus wants his disciples, it's clear in this text, to be people who live by the principle of selflessness and sacrifice. In our giving, in our serving, in welcoming, where are these people who shared? In welcoming the refugees, and on and on and on. The list is long. That's what Jesus wants you to be. And he sends you and me as his ambassadors and his representatives to represent him and his heart. I'm going to close with an invitation to commitment. I referred to it earlier. I'm going to review it and maybe add a bit. Do you, uh, are you in a place today, my friend, where you need to do some mid-course correction? You haven't lived, and I'm not judging. I'm just saying, here's a possibility. I know the temptation of living for ourselves. I know the temptation of building up big bank accounts so that when I retire, I'm retired already. I think I must be getting close to be the oldest member of this church. I'm getting there. Anyhow, I know how challenging it is, friend, to live for self, to just watch after our own account take care of our family and we should do that the Bible does talk about if any person doesn't look after their own they are less than an infidel so that's important but in all of this are you in need today of some mid-course correction you need to go to somebody and confess that you haven't been honest maybe in your marriage vow maybe in the promise you made to do something Maybe at your workplace. Maybe toward your parents. Honey, did you take this? No. Why not, if that's you, make a decision right now to do some mid-course correction and commit to God. Confess that you've strayed off the path. Recommit him to him as the king of the kingdom and recommit to live by principles of God's kingdom described in the passages I read today. And if you need someone to walk with you, talk to me, talk to Pastor Paul. Like, don't walk alone because the, the devil, the tempter, will swerve you off the path and say, oh, it's not important. It's only a little white lie. Ah, oh, that promise you made. Nobody knows about it. Don't ever talk about it. God knows. So friend, come clean. Recommit. Walk with God. And then together, we'll be members of the kingdom of heaven that glorify God and draw people to himself for his glory. Amen.